Thank you for listening to this recent message from the Rescue Church. We pray that God will use this message to encourage, challenge, and inspire you in your faith journey. If you'd like to learn more about the Rescue Church, please visit us online at therescuechurch.com. For everyone else, I got a weird question that I'm going to ask you this morning. I don't think I've ever asked this question in church. Uh, but, but watch this. This is not rhetorical. You, you can't just answer this for yourself. I want you to turn to someone next to you and say the first honest gut answer that comes to mind to this question. Okay, you ready? Here it is. Here's the question. If you had to choose to be an animal, what animal would you choose to be? Tell somebody right now. Just go ahead and talk it out. What would you choose to be? It's a fun question. Online, go ahead and chat it up on Facebook, on the iCampus. Give us your answer. What animal would you choose to be? Earlier in the week, okay, stop talking. Everybody back here, eyes in the front. It's always dangerous when you turn it over to the crowd to talk. Earlier in the week, one of my staff members answered the question. They said they would be a sparkly unicorn. I said, that's not even an animal. Like, you can't, it's got to be a real animal. All right, check it out. Here's what I know. I think I know. I think I know and could guarantee that nobody online or here in Flandre or any of our other locations turned to someone next to them and said, you know what I would be? I would be a sheep. Anybody? Nope. Nobody wants to be a sheep. I've got some really uh, bad news to share with you this morning and then some really good news. See, I, I would answer the question... Like, I'd be something like a German shepherd, right? Like something a little dangerous, a little awesome, a little fast. I've never been really fast. Um, but no, here's the bad news. The Bible does not refer to me or you as German shepherds or lions or dolphins or sparkly unicorns. Uh, the Bible, often throughout Scripture, we are referred to as, what do you think? Sheep. Bah, that's not fun, right? We're, we're referred to as sheep. Um, that's the bad news. The good news is this. We're, we're going to learn today that we have a good shepherd in Jesus Christ. And that might not mean anything to you. You might think, well, so what? Um, today, hopefully by the time we're done, you'll see that, whoa, the fact that Jesus is my good shepherd uh, has a lot of practical implication that is life-changing for me. So if you've got your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to turn with me to John chapter 10. We've been going through the book of John just little chunk by chunk, story by story, and today in John chapter 10, we're going to open up, Jesus is, is having a conversation with the Pharisees, with the religious leaders of his day, and, um, and he's also probably got other people gathered around listening to this, to this talk that he's giving. And, and I'm going to skip down, to, we're going to start reading in verse 7, so I'll kind of bring you up to speed and kind of summarize a little bit of what he's saying. He's using this metaphor about sheep, and himself as a good shepherd, and he's referring to people as sheep. And, and he's basically saying that he is the good shepherd, and the Pharisees don't get what he's saying. Like, they don't understand. And so in verse 7, he's going to take another run at it and kind of say it all again. I'm just fast-forwarding through some of these verses. You've got all of them on your handouts in front of you, so you can read up to verse 7. But I'm going to pick it up in verse 7 where it says, therefore. Anytime in the Bible when you see the word therefore, you should ask the question, what is it therefore? And that means you should go read the verses above it. So go do that, okay? But uh, I'm going to jump down to verse 7. It says, Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. I'll explain that in a little bit, what he means by that. He says, All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. 
They will come in and go out and find pasture. Now, listen to what he says about our enemy. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And then here's where he says, listen to what he says about himself. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Then he says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. Here, what he's referring to is that he did not just come for the nation of Israel and the Jewish people. He came for the Gentiles as well. He came for the entire world. And so he's saying, there's other sheep I've got to gather into my pen. Lost my spot. Okay, it says, they too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. He's referring to the church. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. I love this next uh, verse. He says, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Okay, take a deep breath. We read a lot of verses there. Put a pause on that for just a minute, and we'll jump back into it here in a second. Jesus said a lot about himself as the good shepherd. And what I want to do this morning is I want to unpack what are some characteristics of the good shepherd and why does that matter for my life. But before I take you there, I want to start by talking about sheep for just a minute because until we understand how bad we are as, bad we are as sheep, I won't do too many of those, okay? Uh, until we get that, like we won't appreciate what the good shepherd brings to us, Okay. So let's talk about sheep for just a minute, and if you've got your handouts today, I've got all kinds of blanks for you to fill in, okay? So some of you are like, yes, I get to fill in blanks. Some of you are like, I don't want to do that. So cool, you've got a drawing paper. Just doodle as I talk, all right? Just keep listening. But let's talk about sheep, and know this as we label some of these character characteristics of sheep. We're not talking about the physical animal so much as we're talking about you and me. That's the bummer. Like, as sheep, we don't bring a lot to the table. So here's one thing I would say about sheep. We have a tendency to wander and get lost. That's why the Bible calls us sheep, is because there's something that is naturally born into us that, that wants to wander from the good shepherd and do our own thing and get lost. The Old Testament uh, prophet Isaiah said this in Isaiah 53 6 he said we all so if you're in the sound of my voice this morning you're part of that because you're part of all we all like German shepherds is that what it says nope nope we all like sheep have gone astray everyone has turned to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all that means that the Lord put on the shoulders of his son Jesus all of our sin as wandering sheep but I want you to notice that phrase where it says they've turned to their own way. Is that not the cry of our culture today? Is that not the tone of our culture? Like just scroll through Facebook for any length of time and you'll just hear it in the tone of people's posts on Facebook. It's this, it's this tone that says, I'm my own boss. It's up to me. Don't judge me. If it feels good, I'm going to do it. I can do whatever I want. You can't tell me what to do based on any authority. I'm in charge of my life. 
And then we put an emoticon with it, and we throw it out there for the world. And then sometimes you see people responding like this on Facebook, like if somebody is, you know, wrestling with a decision in life, and I'm torn, and I don't know which way to go. How many times do you see people, maybe you've been someone that gave the worst advice you could ever tell somebody when you're like, just follow your heart. Just follow your heart. That is stupid advice. No, it is. It's stupid advice. Here's what Jeremiah says in the Old Testament about your heart. He said, the heart is, what's the word, church? Deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You follow your heart, your heart is going to lead you into deception. And your heart is going to lead you away from the safety of the good shepherd. And you're going to get messed up following your heart. Your heart doesn't know what you want. Don't follow your heart. Follow Jesus. We, we're like sheep. We have this tendency to wander away from the safety of the good shepherd. And if that's not bad enough, here's the second characteristic of sheep. We have an enemy who seeks to destroy us. Not only do we have a natural tendency to wander, we've got an enemy out there going, come on, come on, come on, leave the good shepherd, leave the flock, get out here where it's a lot easier for me to take your head off. Jesus said in that passage we read in John 10, the thief or the enemy has come to steal and kill and destroy. That is not, he's not playing games. He is the enemy of your soul and he wants nothing less than the complete destruction of not only your life here and now, but your eternal destiny. He wants to destroy it all. Peter says this later in the New Testament about Satan. He says in 1 Peter 5, 8, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So we've got a heart that wants to take us away from the good shepherd, and we've got an enemy just waiting in the shadows out there for us to get far enough away. Boom. To slam the trap shut, and he's got us. And then, if that's not bad enough about sheep, here's another characteristic. We are vulnerable without protection and leadership. Sheep need leadership. They don't know how to figure life out without a leader. And they need protection because sheep have no... Some animals have amazing defense mechanisms built into them, right? Or amazing offensive weapons built into them. What do sheep have? Bad, that hurts when you bite me. Like sheep, are, they, they're, they're vulnerable animals. They, they, they don't run very fast. They're not ninjas. They don't attack anything. You know, they're, they're very vulnerable. And they need leadership and they need protection. So I wanted to kind of set the groundwork talking about sheep because if we don't understand the human condition and how messed up we are outside of a good shepherd, then we're not going to appreciate Jesus as our good shepherd. So real quick, let me label four things that we heard Jesus say about himself in that passage. Uh, here's some characteristics of the good shepherd. First of all, he knows his sheep. He knows his sheep. And if you want, on your notes, you could just write in next to that this phrase. You could put it in parentheses, this word that says relationship versus religion. Because when Jesus talks about, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, they, they know my voice, they respond to my voice, here's what that tells me, is that Jesus Christ did not come and give his life on the cross in order for us to have some stale, empty, hollow, external structure of religion. And maybe I'm speaking to someone either here in Flandreau online this morning, that for you, like your knowledge of God, your, your, the way you relate to God is you see him as this big, distant, external force. 
And maybe you were drug off to church as a little kid and, and you were forced to go to a building with a steeple and stained glass and forced to memorize things that you didn't understand then and you still don't understand now, but you had to stand up, sit down, say them when it was the right time to say them and it all meant nothing to you. And you come and you hear someone talk and we go through the motions and you leave and there's nothing there. I'm here to tell you, and, and then, then we hear people say, I don't need organized religion. I'll agree with that. You don't. Jesus did not come so that you could have some external form of organized religion. He came to have a personal friendship with you that through faith you walk with him and you know him. He knows you. You talk with him. Our media recently just criticized one of our nation's leaders for saying that he talks with Jesus. He hears from the Lord, and they said that's a sign of mental illness. No, you're a sign of mental illness. That's a sign of having a relationship with the good shepherd. He knows his sheep, and his sheep know him. They have a relationship with him. And man, if you don't know Christ in that way, my prayer is that before today is done, you do. You come to know Christ as your own personal Savior, your good shepherd, he knows his sheep. Here's another thing he said. He said he leads his sheep. That's cool because we need leadership. I can't figure this thing out on my own. And when I think I can, let's go back to that part about your heart is deceitful. It's wicked. Above all things, you think you can figure it out. You need leadership. And he offers that. He protects his sheep. I'm going to talk more about that in just a minute. And then I love where Jesus says he lays down his life for his sheep. You all are tracking with him right like what he's saying he's he's referring to the day that was soon coming where he would give his life on the cross of calvary his body would be broken his blood would be poured out as an atoning sacrifice taking your sin and my sin upon himself he would lay down his life for the sheep and i love the part where he put at the end about it's not no one forces me no one takes my life it's with my own authority i lay down my life and it's with my own authority i take it back up again only someone like God could say something like that. That's incredible. Okay, so that's cool, but some of you are still probably thinking, I don't get it, John. Jesus is our good shepherd, so what? I want to drill just a little bit more down into this. And I want to say, because here's the thing, not everybody belongs to the flock. Not everybody has given their heart and life to Jesus, and so they're still outside of all of that. So let me, let me take this a step further and really drill down into this. What does it mean for me if I belong to the flock of Jesus, if he really is my good shepherd. There's four things I want to label today. First of all is salvation. If you want to write that down, when I belong to the good shepherd's flock, he provides me with salvation. I'm going to go back and, and just slowly go through two verses, John 10, verse 9. Jesus said, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. That's where I'm getting salvation from. Let me help you understand the, a little word picture here that we don't, we don't see a lot of sheep herding and shepherding in our, in our culture, and we do it a little differently than how they would have done it at this time. So when Jesus calls himself the gate, and he says that basically anybody who, who comes through the gate into the pen it will be saved, here, here's something that will help you understand that word picture. In this day and age, in this culture, when we were taking care of sheep, there would be a, a pen at night that we put them in. The shepherd leads them into the safety of the pen for the night. And it was walls on four sides with an open doorway. Any guess where that shepherd would sleep? Right in the doorway. The shepherd was the gate. Nothing, anything that wanted to come into the pen and harm the sheep had to come through the shepherd. He was the defender. 
And any sheep that wanted to wander out had to go through the shepherd. But what Jesus is saying there is when he calls himself the gate, in a few more weeks when we get into John chapter 14, we're going to hear Jesus say a very classic statement. Maybe you've heard me say this often in my preaching in John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Here he's calling himself a gate. No one comes into the safety of the sheepfold unless you come through me. Jesus didn't apologize for that. If, if he put that out on Facebook today, he'd have everybody saying, you can't say that. All religions lead to the same place. And Jesus said, no, they don't. No, they don't. I know we live in a pluralistic society that wants to believe there is no such thing as absolute truth, and you can have one idea, and you can have another idea, and we can agree to disagree, and we can all be right. Nobody's wrong. We're all right. All truth is relative. There are no absolutes. And Jesus said, that's absolutely false. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the gate. You want into the pen, it's through me. When I belong to the good shepherd, I have salvation. I wonder if I'm speaking to anyone here today that's not yet come through the Lord Jesus Christ for the gift of salvation. Here's another thing that, provided, that, that the good shepherd provides me is freedom. Jesus said, I am the gate, whoever enters through me will be saved. And then he uses this phrase that says, they will come in and go out and find pasture. That phrase, come in and go out, is, isn't a phrase we use a lot, but in this day and age, it was very, like, that was a phrase that would be used to describe freedom. Like, if you had the freedom to come and go as you please, like, you were a free person without fear of, of, of anything. So you could come and go, and that's what Jesus is saying, is you want freedom? It's through me you'll find freedom. The problem with that is that enemy of our soul is constantly lying to us and he's saying, you want freedom, come over here to where I'm at. Come on out here, away from the good shepherd. Leave the safety of the flock and come to where I am. I'll show you a good time. I'll show you freedom and what he's really got waiting for you is a trap that will destroy your life. And Jesus is saying, when you're under the care of the good shepherd, you have the freedom to become everything God created you to be. You want real life, you want abundant life, you'll have it in me. Freedom. Here's another thing that belonging to the flock of Jesus offers me is protection. In John 10.10 10 is, is that verse where Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. There is an enemy of your soul. And Jesus is saying, as the good shepherd, I have the ability to offer you protection from that enemy who's seeking to take you out. I have a pen, and I'm the gate, and I protect my sheep. I lay down my life for my sheep. Nothing can harm you unless it comes through me first. So I got to tell you, I, I'm going to drill down on this one for just a minute. Um, in the Bible, and we already saw Jesus refer to this right in this passage we read, there's another word that is given to describe the church of Jesus Christ. Any guess what that is? It's the word flock. Remember when Jesus said, I have other sheep that are not of this pen. There will be one flock and one shepherd. He's, he's referring to his church. I could take you to many places in the New Testament where church leaders were told to, to shepherd God's flock. Again, where's that whole sheep thing? And so when the sheep are gathered, the church is a gathering of God's people. Here's what I want to say is, how does God provide that protection for our lives? I'm telling you, one of the primary ways that God offers that protection in our life is through real connection to a family of believers called the church. 
I'm not just talking about church attendance. That's important. I'm talking about where you are relationally tied in with a group of fellow sheep. There's protection there. But what is, what is the thing that we say so often in our culture? How many of you have heard this? How many of you maybe have said this? How many people am I speaking to online that this is where you're at? It's why you're not in church today. Some of you, it's because the roads are bad and you missed an hour of sleep. Okay, some of you are not in church today because we believe this line that says, I, I, I love God and Jesus, he's my Lord and Savior, but I don't need the church. I don't need organized religion. I've already agreed with you on that. It's not about organized religion. It's about belonging to the flock, being led by the good shepherd, and there's protection and safety inside the fold under the watchful care of the good shepherd. There's protection through God's church. I'm telling you, guys, I'm I'm almost 40 years old, and I've grown up my entire life in church, like in pastoral ministry. I wasn't a pastor when I was really young, but I I was in the home of a pastor. I've been around the church my entire life. I've had a behind-the-scenes look at this thing my entire existence. And I cannot tell you how many souls, I, I couldn't even count if I had to start taking track. I cannot tell you how many souls I have watched in my lifetime wander away from the protection of the church of Jesus Christ and the enemy takes them out. And I love it when they say, God has called me to leave this church. No, he hasn't. Especially when you disconnect from the body of Christ entirely. You might have heard from the Lord, but it was not the Lord Jesus Christ. You might have heard from Lord Lucifer himself wooing you away from the safety of the flock. Jesus will not call you to leave the safety and protection of his church. He won't do it. And I'm telling you, I've seen so many people either wander away because they're hearing that that voice of temptation and the world looks like a funner place, I'm going to go there, or, watch this, I've seen many people limp away from the church. You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you have ever been hurt in church by other sheep? Sometimes sheep bite each other. Bat! And, and I've seen more people limp away from the church wounded. I, I got news for you. This is, you're not going to like it, but it's the reality. The reality is anytime you enter into a relationship with more than one other sinful human being, there's going to be conflict. Your feelings are going to get hurt. Someone's going to say something you don't like. Let's go back to that lion, that enemy of our soul. If you need a refresher course on this, just go home and watch some Discovery Channel, some National Geographic, where the lions are doing what they do out on the plains of Africa where they're hunting. And they're not stupid about how they do it. They lie in wait, they wait for the opportune moment, and young Christians lean in and listen to what I'm getting ready to say next. You want to know who the lions target first? The babies and the wounded. The stragglers. So what I'm saying is this. If you're a new Christian in the last few years of your life, it is of utmost important that you stay with the flock. Because you're vulnerable right now. The enemy is coming after you with everything he's got. And he knows you're young in your faith. He knows there's a lot you don't understand. He knows you're being pulled between two worlds. And man, the minute he sees you wandering away from the flock, he's on you. And wounded Christian that's limping away from the body of Christ with your hurt feelings, you're limping into a trap. Obey Jesus, get back to your church, be reconciled with whoever offended you, deal with it, and stay in the safety of the shepherd's watchful care. 
Because here's the thing, in all those years of watching people limp away and wander away from the church, here's what I can tell you. I have seen some come back. And if you want to jot down like Luke 15, it's where we find the story of the prodigal son, and it's a parable, so if you're not familiar with that, you can go read it and understand what I'm referring to. But So maybe there's those sheep that have wandered away and kind of using that parable as an analogy, they kind of have that prodigal son moment where they wake up in the slop of all the pigs and they go, whoa, things were so much better in my father's house. I'm going back. And church, by the way, when those lost sheep come back home, our heart has to be exactly the same as the heart of the father in that story that we meet them with open arms and an embrace. You're welcome back here, but here's what I can tell you what I've seen as an under-shepherd. The ones that do come back, they come back wounded with scars because the stuff about the lion is for real. There's damage that is done in their time away from the safety of the flock. Here's the really bad news is that the majority never come back because the stuff about the lion is for real and they get destroyed. I'm telling you right now, Christian, you need to make a commitment beyond anything else in your life. I'm going to stay connected to the flock of Jesus. I'm not talking about the rescue church. I'm talking about a healthy church family. And you don't cut and run when things get hard or you get your feelings hurt. You stick it out. And, and can God move his sheep around? Yeah, he sure can. He, he does, and he can. But I'm just saying... I'm making up a statistic right now. 89% of the people that come and say, God's called me to leave is bull crap. He did not call you to leave your church. And what's so interesting is that often that when people say God's called them, they don't go anywhere. God never calls you to disconnect from the safety of the fold to just sit at home and do nothing on a Sunday morning. Am I being clear? I got a little preachy on that one. Sorry. Like, it's just, it's for real. Like, when I'm, when I'm with Jesus, there's protection. Finally, I love this fourth one. When I belong to the flock of God, I'm, I'm offered abundant life. Jesus said in verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. Some translations say that they may have life and have it more abundantly. You know what? Jesus did not just come and die on the cross so that we could have eternal life someday when we die. Jesus came not just to give us life like here and now. He didn't just come to give us abundant life. He came to give us a life that is more than abundant. Man, and again, maybe there's some young people listening to this and you're on the fence right now. You're like, I don't really know if I'm going to give my life to this Jesus person or not. I'm here to tell you, I know what the lion out there is saying. The enemy is saying, come on out here. This is where the party is. This is where life's happening. And Jesus is saying, no, if you want abundant life, follow me. I am the good shepherd and I will lead you to places you never thought possible. I will lead you to a place of joy and peace and fulfillment and a life of purpose and meaning. Follow me. You, you wander away from me, the enemy's got none of that for you. He's got a temporary trap and once the bait is gone and the hook sets in, you're caught. You know, this past week, I just, I'm going to brag on God. It's going to sound like I'm bragging on myself, but I'm going to brag on my good shepherd. This past week, as I was kind of meditating on this thought, I just, I just kind of looked around at my life. I said, oh my goodness, I have such an abundant, rich, full, purposeful, meaningful life. 
And it's not because of who I am or what I've done. Any other sheep in the sound of my voice that's given their life to following the good shepherd can say yes and amen to what I'm saying right now. The good shepherd leads us into good places. And I'm not saying, don't hear me wrong, I'm not saying it's a life of no problems or it's a life where you never experience loss or grief or trial or marriage problems or financial problems. I'm not saying that. I've gotten all of that. And in the midst of all of that, following my good shepherd has led to places I never thought possible. It's good. It's abundant. I can't believe, sometimes I have to pinch myself, like, seriously, why do I get to live the life I get to live? This is crazy. I don't deserve this. I'm just a sheep. If left to my own devices, I'd be in so much trouble so fast. The good shepherd steps in sometimes, and he leads Hey, I didn't have this story earlier in the week, but this is hot off the press, so this isn't even in the notes. You all good if I go on a little bit of a sidetrack for just a minute? Like, how long of a sidetrack? I don't know. Just stay with me. Here's here's just a little example from this past week. I woke up on on Saturday morning um, to a nasty gram. Anybody ever get those in email? Someone like sends you a message that you know they don't like something you did, whatever. And this no one from our church, but just someone in my life that's kind of their ministry has been a thorn in my flesh the last couple years and they they always want to draw me into these theological debates and argument and so i woke up saturday morning that's the first thing i see on my phone i'm like huh so i went to my office and i'm sitting there typing out a 300 word response it was literally like 277 words and i won't tell you how i know that but sitting there typing it out and i was like i better have devotions real quick let me let me check in with the lord first and so I'm doing this read through the Bible, you know, in the year with our church family, and it was in Proverbs. I forget the chapter now, but basically what Proverbs told me was that there's sin in the multiplication of words, and the righteous man re- re- holds his tongue and remains silent. That's the good shepherd leading. Because maybe it's just some wisdom that comes with life, too, of sending off too many of those in the past, but, but, but it's, it's the good shepherd going, hey, let me lead you to the abundant life. Just let the Pharisee be. Let me lead you around this. He leads us into good places. Abundant, abundant life. So here's the thing. I'm just about, no, it's not true. I'm not even just about done. Um, there, you have a decision to make. We got a, three more verses we have to read, and you have a decision to make as we're about to see by, okay, Jesus just went into this thing about I'm the good shepherd, and these are the implications. If you follow me, you have salvation, you have freedom, you have protection, you have abundant life. Okay, but not everybody's on board. I guarantee right now today there's people watching, listening to this that you're not convinced. Watch how the crowd responds in uh, John 10, starting in verse 19. We're going to read like three or four more verses here. The Jews who heard these words were again, what? Divided. It's almost like Christ is this lightning rod that you're either for or against. Not a lot of middle ground. The Jews were divided Many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? Question, are people still saying that about Jesus 2,000-some years later? Yep. Why listen to him? You're a bunch of crazy people. Mentally ill. That's what you are. Just dismiss you. But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? And they're referring to the story we looked at last week, where Jesus restored not only the physical vision, but the spiritual vision of that guy in John 9 that had been born blind. And so you've got 
this crowd clearly divided. Some are going, he's demon-possessed, he's mad, don't listen to him. You've got others going, well, wait a minute. Those words aren't words of a demon-possessed man. And when was the last time we ever saw a crazy demon-possessed person restore the sight of a blind man? There's a dilemma. And here's the point for you. This is how it affects your life today. You have to make a decision about Christ. Which is he? Is he just a demon-possessed crazy person who said some really lunatic stuff that can just be dismissed because your college professor told you you can and it's all fake and whatever? Or is Jesus the Son of God who speaks the truth and, and that truth has major implications for our life? If you will allow me in the next few minutes, I just want to try and influence you if I can and tell you why I've come to the conclusion that Jesus isn't a crazy, demon-possessed, insane man. And, and, I, and I'm not alone in this. I believe that what I'm getting ready to share with you, and I'm even going to ask you to write it down so that later you can go home and just look at that evidence and let that sit there for a while. It, this just isn't my opinion. This, this is shared by millions upon millions of people throughout the last 2,000-some years of human history. And so here's three things I want to tell you. I believe that the words of Jesus are not the words of a madman. I've read all of Jesus' words in the New Testament. By the way, for you intellectual scholars that claim to be atheists and you've never read the Bible but you know you don't believe it, I'm just saying that's very intellectually dishonest. So do yourself at least a favor of reading the Bible before you dismiss it and say you don't believe it. I've read the entire Bible multiple times. I've read the words of Jesus, and as I examine the words of Jesus, I agree with a lot of other way smarter, far more intellectual, intelligent thinking people, logical people throughout history who have examined the words of Christ and go, you know, that doesn't sound like the teachings of an insane madman. These sound like words of hope in an insane world. That's what I think the words of Jesus are. They're words of truth and power and authority. And when I follow them, they really make a lot of sense and bring a lot of order to an otherwise crazy, chaotic world. So I, I can't come to the conclusion that the words of Christ are the words of a man-man. I, I, I have a different conclusion I come to. Secondly, I would tell you this. I, I don't think the works of Christ are the works of a madman. When I examine the evidence of who Jesus was and the works that he performed, what I see is, well, it sure looks like he fed hungry people and he healed sick people and he brought dead people back to life and he comforted hurting people. And the only people he really ever messed with were self-righteous religious people, which makes me love him all the more. The works of Jesus don't seem to me like the works of a mad, crazy demon-possessed madman. And by the way, all the while he's doing that, he's pointing all the glory to God. He's not taking it for himself. He's giving all the glory to the Father. Crazy, demon-possessed, insane people take all the glory for themselves. I just, like, as I'm preparing this message, I just finished reading a really cool book. I like history. I like studying war-type stuff. And so I just finished reading a book dealing with pilots in the World War II era, German pilots. Really cool story. I won't go into all of that. Um, but, but as I'm reading, once again, I'm, I'm hearing historical facts about this demon-possessed, crazy, insane man by the name of Adolf Hitler. And you study the works of a madman and look at the works, look at the results of post-World War II Germany, an entire nation in poverty, in destruction, in starvation because of the works of a madman who, by the way, took all the credit for himself and then like a coward ended his life. Instead of Jesus, who did all of this amazing stuff, took no credit for himself, and then laid down his life. 
I examine the works and I go, that doesn't look like the works of an insane, crazy person. It looks like the works of a divine God who loves people that don't deserve to be loved. And then finally, I would just say this, as I examine the evidence of Christ, I, I see that the effects of Christ are not the effects of a madman. What do I mean by that when I say the effects of Christ? I'm making the point that throughout the last 2,000 and some years, millions upon millions of people have had their lives radically transformed by the power of the gospel for the better. Throughout the entire world, people that have given their heart and life to Jesus, the world becomes a better place when they follow him. And I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. There's, there's that college professor out there going, what about the crusades where we killed all these people? No, okay, uh, fair. There has been crazy people throughout all of human history that have abused religion to wreak all kinds of havoc on their fellow man. I'm telling you, anybody that destroys human life is not following the leadership of the good shepherd. They can do anything they want in his name. That's not Jesus. The effects of Christianity over the course of history have brought peace and good to our world. And I weigh out the evidence and I go, I don't see Christians bombing hospitals and schools in the name of Jesus. I see Christians bringing hope and life and the words of Jesus and the teaching of Jesus to a world that is lost and hopelessly out of control. The effects of Jesus are not the effects of a madman. So I look at all of that evidence and I go, you know what? I, I can't say he's a madman like these people in John 10. I say, I think he's exactly who he says he is. He is the son of the most high God. And he came to this earth under the submission to the will of his father and he lived a perfect life and laid down his life on the cross to deal with all of my sin and rebellion against a holy God, making it possible for me to enter through the gate into the safety of the flock. What about you? What, what decision do you make regarding Christ? Who is he for you? My challenge to you today is this. I've, I've really been on the vision of our church lately and just ending my messages with these three practical steps. Know, grow, go. Like, that's what we're about. We believe that if we help people come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior, grow in their relationship with him, and then go serve others, we think we can change not only a community, we think we can change the world through that strategy. And by the way, it's not our strategy. It's the one Jesus gave us. So I want to challenge you to know Christ. Here's my question. Do you know the good shepherd? Do you know his voice? Do you belong to his flock? If I'm speaking to anyone here today, maybe your friend invited you to watch this thing and you had nothing else to do and you're sitting at home and maybe you're coming to the realization that I don't have a relationship with that good shepherd he's talking about. Here's the good news. He's extending that offer to you right now. And as I close in a word of prayer, you can pray from wherever you're at, Lord Jesus. I need you in my life. I want to belong to your flock. Will you please come into my heart and save me? Hey, Christians, can I ask those of us that are sheep, again, it's not a one-time like decision, yes, to follow Christ, but following him is a daily thing. We're sheep, we wander. Am I speaking to any Christians that you kind of quit growing? You were following for a while, and you've kind of started wandering off, nibbling on some clover. Have you noticed the clover starting to kind of run out? You notice that maybe the rest of the flock's going over here, and you've missed the turn? Maybe it's time to pick your head up and look at the good shepherd again and go, oh yeah, he's leading this way. And get back to the flock. Maybe the enemy's coming this close for your life this week. And you need to get back to the good shepherd. Are you growing? Are you following him? That's what I'm asking. And are you going and sharing 
his hope and his truth and his love with the world that's in desperate need of it. Let's look to the Lord in a word of prayer this morning. God in heaven, I thank you for this day. Jesus, we are gathered here this morning to worship you as our good shepherd. Thank you for saving me, God. Thank you for giving me freedom in Christ to really be who you made me to be and to thrive under your watchful protection and your care. Lord, I speak on behalf of so many in, in our church family today that would just return thanks and worship to you for the abundant life that you have made possible for us. Not because we're good people, not because we deserve it or we've earned it in any way, but because you are the good shepherd and you provide us with so much. Father, I pray if there's anyone in the sound of my voice today that has never received Christ as Lord and Savior, but they need to, I pray that your conviction would just be so so strong on their heart right now that they would just know he's talking to me. I know it. And Lord, that they would hear the voice of a loving shepherd inviting them into the fold. Not, not for a punishment, not for a spanking, but for love. Like, I, I want to lead you and love you and have a relationship with you. Might they hear your voice and know your voice and respond to it today. Lord, I believe in a church this size made up of a bunch of sheep like ourselves, there's, there's some of us who are wandering right now. We claim you as our shepherd, but we're not really where we need to be. We're not following very well. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd bring conviction into those hearts and lives and bring us back into the safety of the flock. Get our focus back on you so that we can continue to follow and be led into this abundant life that you've created for us. Holy Spirit, I cannot see the hearts and lives of everyone that's hearing this right now, but I just pray that you, I know you see all things, and I pray that you would use this message in any way that you see fit to bring conviction, comfort, encouragement, whatever we need today, Lord. I pray you just do powerful things through the preaching of your word today. You get all the praise and the glory. Jesus, we love you. It's in your name. We pray these things. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Rescue Church Past Messages. To hear our messages live, head to one of our physical campuses or check out our iCampus at therescuechurch.tv every Sunday at 10 a.m.